Hello and welcome to On My Ex episode number 19. The date is election day, 11-320. And uh, busy day. I don't know, this one might not be so long because busy day uh, in the world. It's a very important day um, for obvious reasons that we may get into, but, you know, um, we'll see. Uh, just going to talk about some light, some light stuff. Uh, on the eve of a week from today, the Series X and S launch, and a week in two days, the PS5 launches. So pretty big week coming up for gaming, which might be a good thing because after today and this week is done, people might need a break, will need a break and a reprieve and some escapism. So, uh, all right. So the biggest news I can, I found that I wanted to discuss was Xbox had announced that Halo uh, Infinite lost another lead, another lead, project lead. Uh, apparently lost two other ones. And it uh, doesn't look good. You know, it's not a good look. I mean, Halo had the whole game obviously was delayed. And when it was shown off, it didn't look that great. So people were, were trashing it and everything, and rightfully so. I mean, it didn't look that great. And then you find out, that's okay, it's got a delay. They brought in Stanton to help work on the story. And then you find out it lost its lead. And it's like, what is, what, what's going on over there? You know, I mean, the thing that's frustrating is, besides the fact I just love Halo, it's, I just love Halo. It, you know, I mean, 343's had it basically as long as Bungie, and they haven't made a, a stellar, amazing game. Now, the multiplayer in 5 was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. The multiplayer in 4, not so good. And the single player in both was very meh and downright terrible in 5. So, they haven't done much with it. It's Microsoft's baby. It's the reason Xbox even exists. It's the only reason it, it stayed around past the original Xbox was because of Halo. And you'd think, you would think that if anything, Microsoft would give unlimited funds to it, which they probably have, and make sure that the right people are in charge there. And after the debacle that was Halo 5 and the Master Chief Collection, both under 343, mind you. I know Master Chief Collection's gotten... It's actually really good now, but it sure as hell wasn't when it launched. But after those issues, you'd think Microsoft would look at the leadership in 343 and be like, this is this is not okay. Like, just get rid of everybody. Fire them all and get some people in there who know what the shit they're doing to put Halo back on track. Because it's just not, you know? And... To hear they lose another project lead, it's disconcerting. Now, you could argue that it's going to make a big difference, being that the game has been delayed and it's coming out in 21. We don't know when. could be March 21. I mean, realistically, of course, it's going to be in the fall. There's no way it comes out earlier than that, in my opinion. But you also think, what? how much more does a project lead have to add, have to, add to a game at this point? I mean, if the game is that far along where it's actually coming out next year, which it is, allegedly, what more can they really detract or add to the game? I mean, you never want to see a project lead leave on a game that's not out yet, let alone a second one within the project development. But, you know, maybe there's not that much they're going to add to it. And uh, so maybe it won't make a difference. Maybe this person was the reason that the game had trouble and issues. Who knows? But either way, it's just bad news for them. And being that it's their flagship game, it should have been the game that launched their system to give people some incentive to buy their their freaking system at launch, some exclusive game. You know, it's just it's just bad. It just doesn't. It's not a good look. So, 
again, whether it, it actually does anything to the game or not at this point, who knows? But uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, that news coupled with the news that they have <laughs> that the color scheme that they're going to do with the customization, the multiplayer that is free. So the game, the multiplayer is free. So it's not as bad, but the fact that it's just a bunch of things, just everything just kind of piling on together, just, just adds up to making it all, it's just all bad optics. It looks very bad. It looks bad on Microsoft. It looks very bad on 343. And at this point, because it's been delayed, there's obviously no point to rush it. I mean, they should just, if it needs to come out in 22, who gives a rip? You know, give it time. Just let, let it go. Um, I know they'll definitely want to get out next year because it'll be the 20th anniversary of Halo coming out. And, uh, you know, again, that, that's that's kind of cool and all, but if the game's not ready, please, for the love of God, don't, don't release it. So, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but nothing, nothing good so far. Um, moving on from there. So due to the uh, coup with which we continue to find ourselves embroiled in, uh, Europe is about a month ahead, roughly, of the United States in terms of where they are with the virus. And due to that fact, uh, France is locked down, gone into complete lockdown. England recently just has. A bunch of countries are just locking down again. It's like March all over again. It's a nightmare. But the story was that PS5 and Series Xbox consoles may be affected due to the lockdown because these are supposed to come out next week. And physical pre-orders, you know, you're going to go pick up. I don't know how they're going to do that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that susses itself out. Maybe, you know, I don't know what they're going to do because... The, the places are closed. They're not going to be open because they're not essential. So a lot of people may be SOL. And I think it was a month they said they're going to stay locked down. So that means November, December they'd open up. So maybe these people are just screwed and they won't be able to get their console until December. Which would be very tragic and awful. Especially being that you're stuck at home. You maybe want to play your new console. But um, nothing that nothing that crazy. Nothing else more to it. Just, just kind of that. Like I said, light week. Sorry, I'm busy. Um... Another news story was kind of funny. Was a lot of people gotten the PS5 controllers because their accessories have shipped early. And interesting uh, thing came out that the PS5 controller does not work on a PS4, but does work on a PS3 for some reason. And so again, not a big deal, but just something I found kind of kind of interesting that they, for some reason, it works on the PS3, not the PS4, their last console. And I don't know if it's some firmware thing, you know, you, you, you don't want to sit there and think there's some devious thing going on where they're like, man, we don't want people to, you know, play their new controller on an old console. We wanted to buy the PS4 DualShock controller just for that if people want to do that, being that they're going to continue to support the PS4 for a little while later, uh, you know, even though they kept saying they weren't going to do that. I mean, you hate to say that, but uh, I don't know. It just seems kind of interesting to me. So, yeah. Um, anyway, just kind of an interesting little tidbit. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a random glitch and they'll fix it, but it'd be kind of nice. That's, again, one of the nicer things. I think with Microsoft, they're more seemingly pro-consumers. Any controller for an Xbox works on any controller for an Xbox, PC. doesn't really matter. I dig that. I think that's nice, especially because I have an Elite Series 2. I don't have to worry up. Oh, that thing's not going to work on my new console whenever the hell I get it. So I dig that. Um, maybe Sony will fix it. Who knows? But uh, not really too sure. 
but yeah, this is an interesting story. All right. Also, was just reading there's some some stuff about games running it on the PS5 like upscaled. So this Days Gone is going to run up to 60 frames uh, and upscale it to 4K. So it's not you know true 4K and all that stuff. So you know it's uh it's just going to be this thing. It's going to be that way for a while. You know while they support both both games um, or systems rather of games working cross gen. You know it's going to be like well, this game, you know, we're making it for both, but it ends up being a PS4 game that's ported to PS5 and same with Xbox to series. And it just ends up being, yeah, they're going to run slightly better, but it's kind of interesting that they can't seemingly get some of these older games to run it like a solid 60. I mean, it kind of blows my mind that it's 2020 and you can get a PC and run any game for the most part, out there at 120 plus frames. But console is still struggling to get some last-gen games just to stay at a steady 60. Now, with Xbox, I know all this backwards compatibility stuff they've talked about, with the exception of first-party games like Gears, is being done just by the system itself. There's no developer hasn't gone in to do anything. So that that is impressive. And whether or not any developer would go back and... Um, you know, change those games. I doubt it for a lot of them. Like Rockstar has no incentive to make Red Dead 2 run better because they're probably just going to release a, another version for the new consoles. That's what that's what they do. Uh, but other games, yeah, like this Days Gone, it's first party for Sony. It seems interesting they can't get it to run at a lock 60. I mean, these consoles, you know, all Microsoft and Sony have done with their market speak is, you know, the SSDs are going to change gaming. <laughs> Shock, they won't. Uh, and they're going to, these things they're able to do, they hyped them up and that's marketing is what you're supposed to do, but they hyped up these consoles and like they're the, the next coming of God. And the thing is, is you don't have to be a console fanboys tend to look at it and, and hype the console up. Like it's this thing that's going to do all these things. And you're just letting yourself down. You're setting yourself up for letdown because when they come out, they're not going to run every game at 120 frames. It's just not going to happen. Um, and the other thing that, that's crazy to me, is that I, it's just this 4K thing. Like 4K is great and all, but still, there's still not a lot of people even have 4K TVs. Hell, you listen to these schmucks on IGN, you know, the, the pillar of gaming and everything, the biggest gaming website, and some of these schmucks just now got a 4K TV at the end of this life cycle. It's like you people, you know, work in video games and you don't even have a 4K TV, and yet they're talking about all this technology, like, oh, I can do this and this, and people who are like knee deep in the industry don't even have it. So, you know, and not only that, but at least my opinion, I, I feel like most people are this way. Maybe not. I don't know why people would want a game. Hey, it's 4K, man. It looks so good, but it's only 30 frames. You know, like maybe some kind of single player games, maybe if you're into that. But I still feel like anybody would rather have a game run at solid 60, just as solid as the days long at 1080p. That's that's all I want. I want this generation of consoles to finally bring that 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 frame rate solid i don't want any games that maybe kind of 60 like oh it hits 55 and then kind of dips i mean i i want every game to be just solid it doesn't need to be 120 that's fine and dandy but just solid i think 60 needs to be the the baseline i mean we've had essentially this is almost two consoles where games can't even get past freaking 30 frames and that's again you can buy a pc i know it's expensive I'm not saying you could buy a $500 uh, 
um, five hundred dollars worth of PC equipment and uh, get something equivalent to the, either of these consoles. I get that, but if you spend some money on PC, get every game running at sixty plus frames. Like it's not even a question. And consoles were still struggling to get some games at thirty, and it just kind of. I don't know. I, I hope that that's the standard because when we went to the 360 generation, HD, you know, f- of 720p ended up being the standard. Like no games after that were, oh, except for Nintendo, but, you know, they don't, they march to the beat of their own drum. Um, no games were shipping at 480p. It's like 720. That is the standard. And I don't understand why resolution can't be that standard now. I mean, we, we need, we need the frame rate rather. We need frame rate give me that 60. I want 60 for everything. And if you can pump 120 in the multiplayer, that that's fantastic too. But just, just solid 60. That's all we, we should really want as gamers. So moving on from there, that's all the gaming news I, I have done ranting. Um, I'm going to talk about Mandalorian season two, episode one and fear the walking dead. So I'll, I'll start with fear the walking dead. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. This show is so cringe and very hard to get through. I don't know if you guys like me talking about it. This might be the last week I talk about it because I don't even really like to. It's more just a venting thing for me, I think. But basically, they go to this. They're gonna cross some river where the military blow up bridges, and conveniently, there's a storm coming. They need to work together. A little montage like Team America, World Police, and make a boat because they're all geniuses. And that little boy genius kid, Elton, I think his name is, can of course make a boat and an engine because he's super smart, even though who knows where his education came from, but whatever. Uh, and they work together and he gets some backstory. His parents were in a museum when the, the sky fell and he was stuck in a box when his dad got killed by a zombie and yada, yada. Um, then essentially nothing really important happens. They find out Elton was working with Silas to try to get him to go around and they reconcile by working on the boat that, eh, it's fine, whatever. We're all going to work together. It's cool. And then the storm that was looming that, again, by the way, this Elton guy, judging by the the way the wind is blowing, we have approximately 15 minutes before this thunderstorm is here. And, of course, he knows that. I don't know how. He just does. And yet, when they're getting ready to leave by the end of the episode, spoiler, there's no storm. They make it fine. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, so then they find out he was working with Silas. They don't really care. You know, by the power of working together in montage, we get over our issues. And then, uh, frick, what the hell happens? Uh, oh, yeah, flashbacks. Um, then Elliot is carrying around, Elliot, Elliot, Elton, geez, carrying around his mom's manuscript because she was, of course, an accomplished writer or some crap. And he's talking about his mom. He's writing it, blah, 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 whatever. It's boring. And then finds out that, the hope girl sits next to him and he says, I think I just have this feeling my mom's still out there. And she goes, that's not stupid. Maybe she is. Of course he turns a page and happens to have a picture of his mom wearing the exact same outfit she was wearing the night she got shots. Convenient. I know. And then hope finds out she shot his mom and it's like, Oh no, that's crazy. So the drama of course of that will persist, permeate whatever throughout the whole season. I'm sure. Um, and then you get some backstory in the Huck chick, who she was somehow broken arm on a raft and they found her and they named her Huck. I don't know why she didn't tell them her actual name, but whatever. And uh, she's got her awesome acting and her little Southern accent that she's got. I mean, she absolutely deserves, they should nominate her for, I know it's, this isn't a movie, but for an Academy Award for it's phenomenal. Um, But yeah, it was stupid. Uh, I don't recommend it. 
Uh, it's not getting any better. I feel like the show is getting worse, and uh, thank God it's limited. All right, so enough talking about that stupid show. Moving on, Mandalorian season two premiered Friday. It was uh, it was very good. I mean, it was good, good episode. It was solid. Um, the best part about it to me was Timothy Oliphant, who played the marshal, and oh, I just love him. I love everything he's been in. I loved him in Justified. I loved him in, he was in Deadwood. Um, oh my God, was it a show? Oh, it was in Fargo, actually. Just absolutely love him. Every scene he was on, he chewed, just chewed up scenery on screen. He was so good. And I can see now maybe a little bit of that Pedro Pascal, the alleged issues of him leaving the show or not even on it anymore because he wanted to take his helmet off. I kind of see where he's coming through coming from with this episode, seeing a really good actor in Timothy Oliphant without the helmet on, but still wearing the armor, just, just chew up scenes. It's like, yeah, the, the Pascal, like he's a good actor too. And it is kind of hard to see, you know, the emotes and everything that a human does, obviously with a mask on a helmet. And so I can kind of see where he's coming from now after seeing somebody also not a real Mandalorian, but another one wearing the armor without the helmet on. So I kind of see that. Um, I, I kind of hope he ends up taking the helmet off, you know, because it, I think it would be better. But we'll see with that. But the overall episode was great. Um, Mandalorian, he, he finds out that there's a Mandalorian on Tatooine. And he goes there, finds out it's this martial guy. Cobb Vanth is his name. Uh, they're going to fight because it's a Mandalorian's right to take the armor back if it's not theirs. Conveniently, right before they're about to get in a shootout, very Western style sidebar. That's what I love about this so far, and that's what was the best part about the original movies. And uh, the last season, the episodes that had it was that Western feel. Um, it's no, no, no secret that Luke is based it on the Seven Samurai and that kind of Western theme, the original movies, and they captured that in the first season a little bit. And this episode captures that a hell of a lot. I mean, it's literally they go to this old dusty town in the middle of nowhere and there's a, an old marshal there that's, you know, the law and they almost get a little shootout. I mean, it's, it's just perfect. And they need to capture that and keep doing that. And I think the show will retain its awesomeness. Um, but yeah, real quick, uh, they're about to fight. There's a little earthquake. Turns out it's a big crate dragon that's bothering them, which is amazing to see. And then you find out... Uh, Cobb Vance says, I'll give you the armor if you help me take out this crate dragon. Mando somehow agrees. I don't know why you wouldn't just shoot him and take it anyway. I don't know why he cares about these people, but, you know, whatever. It makes for a badass-looking episode. So th they end up teaming up with the, the Sand people, the Tusken Raiders, and it was cool to see more of them. It was cool to see the, the universe that George Lucas created finally kind of expanded upon. Yet it also retained its small scope in that you're on Tatooine, the planet that is supposed to be his backwater planet, yet has everything important in the universe happen on it. Um, but it was kind of cool to see them expand. But also don't like how in the original uh, movie, the Tusken Raiders were kind of talked about as, you know, these people that were out there and they were kind of rough and they'd kill you and murder you, no, no problem. And then in this, it turns out they're just, no, nah, they're not really that bad. They'll work with you if they want. And it's kind of like, it kind of demystifies them a little bit, you know. Uh, but it, again, it's kind of cool to see them expanded upon a little bit. Uh, they work together, essentially, them and the humans, the miners. And they come up with this plan. They eventually kill the crate Dragon. You watch it to see how it's done. It's really cool. 
and Mando flies in his stomach, blows it up. It's pretty sweet. And then at the end, you see him chop the Tuscan Raiders chopping it up, and they pull out a pearl. And if any of you are Knights of the Republic fans, you'll remember that's almost exactly what happens in a mission in that game. Tuscan Raiders to get your trust, tell you to go kill this great dragon and give him the pearl. So I don't know if that was a cool callback. I feel like it was because Favreau's and Filoni are very good. But it was cool to see that. And um, uh, yeah, at the end of it, it shows he uh, Cobb Vanth is in the armor and it shows a bald guy. He's got the... the God, I can't remember the name. The stick the that they use and the cycler rifle that the Tuscan Raiders have. And then he turns around and it, it's the Tamir Morrison, the actor who played the clones in the original, and assuming it's Boba Fett, because we know he was cast as Boba Fett. They didn't explicitly say it, but pretty sure it's him. It could be a clone. It had to be a really, really old clone. But uh yeah, pretty sure it's Boba Fett. So pretty pretty cool setup. Um kind of showed that. Boba Fett didn't go out like a bitch and return the Jedi. He somehow made it out of the Sarlacc pit and he's alive, so that's pretty sweet. But we'll see. Um, I don't know where to go from here, but so far it's a good setup. Not It wasn't amazing, but it was a very good episode. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. Hopefully, um, good places. I feel like it will. Uh, and just hope the season can, you know... It needs a narrative focus, I think, for for the show because Baby Yoda's gonna get old. Like it's just you know you can only have Baby Yoda all that's so cute so many times, right? It gets the normies in, but then the hardcore people, the people you need to satisfy, and that's not gonna cut it for them for that long. And so it feels like the story. It's fine to have different directors every episode, but it also needs to have one through line, one coherent story. Because as we all know, that was one of the many many reasons why that garbage trash sequel trilogy was so trash because there was no story. It was all over the place. And I don't, I doubt Filoni and Favreau would allow that to happen because they actually know how to write a story, but having different directors each episode, I feel like might be a misstep. It just needs to have one solid story throughout. And you know, it might, it was only one episode, so we will see. All right. Well, that's going to do for me this week. Sorry. It's a little bit short, but as I said, uh, kind of busy uh, today. Um, talk about the election. It's uh, it is important. Uh, I'm not going to get into it too much, um, but it it's an important thing that that we as Americans have that right and the ability to do that. Um, you know, whoever you vote for, whatever. But uh, you know, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We won't know who won tonight, which will be the first. It won't be maybe even Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm not sure. But um, either way, it's very important. Um, it can't consume your life. Life will go on. Whoever wins, nothing's going to, things will change. But your life should not change that drastically, um, assuming there's no major shift in whatever. But for the most part, these elections have happened for many, 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 many years. And they will continue to happen. And we will continue to deal with what happens. So... Uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Maybe we'll talk about it more next week. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please hit me up on Twitter, on my X17, and email, same thing, on my X17 at Gmail. And uh, let me know what you guys want me to talk about, if you like it or don't like it. And uh, I will talk to you guys later.